guys. Good to see you this morning. And uh, I haven't preached in a couple weeks, so are y'all ready? You brought your lunch and everything. That's awesome. I am so ready for the morning. Um, and we are in a series that we are calling what? That's right, the Upside Down Kingdom. And it really is about how so much of what Jesus taught seems to our culture as upside down or maybe a little backwards. Wouldn't you agree? Like, like Jesus' teachings is very different than what the culture's teaching. Oh, come on. Amen? Amen? Um, and, and so we've been looking at a lot of different aspects of that. Um, and how many of you know that much of Jesus' teachings about the kingdom of God, about this kingdom that we can be a part of even right now, um, a lot of his teachings, he used what was called parables to teach. Y'all remember that, right? A lot of what he did was he taught in parables. Um, and, it, and, and today... I'm going to look at a couple of parables that actually, it's interesting, many of the parables that Jesus taught um, started with something like this, the kingdom of heaven is like, do y'all read your Bibles? Okay, all right, it says that several times, right? The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'll tell a story. Right? He'll tell a story. What's interesting in Matthew chapter 13, how um, I, I'm going I'm to give you a couple of the parables that started with, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like. Um, but right before that, just a few verses up in Matthew 13, Jesus is explaining to the disciples about parables, you know? And, and, and he said that parables, he said, I give these, you know, parables. This is the Victor translation, all right? Is he gives parables, these stories, to help nail down the truth. And he does it in a way so that those that are seeking to see truth, to find truth, can find it in these parables, and those that are just playing games, it's hidden from them. That's what he said. So a parable is a story that it reveals truth. And if you're just playing games, it conceals truth. Y'all get it? That's, that's, it? that's exactly what he says. But then he ends it. And I've been digging this out for a while, and it is so, I hope, punch somebody and say, you got to get this next part right now. Just tell them, you got to get this next part. Don't hit them hard, just kind of make sure, uh, all right? Because the end of that, where he's telling them about parables, he ends that before he starts telling them parables, he says this, very interesting. Uh-oh, we're going to have to fix that. Somebody may, yeah, you got it. It says this, but 
blessed are your eyes because they, what? And your ears because they hear. Blessed. It's the same Greek word that he used in the Beatitudes that we've been studying some. It's the same word for blessed. And somebody tell me, what is our definition of blessed? Oh, come on. What was it? Deeply. Oh, man. Am I going to have to start over? All right. Deeply. Everybody say it together. Ready? Deeply satisfied. That's the Greek word for blessed. Deeply satisfied. Deeply satisfied are your eyes. Because you see, you're looking for the truth. Deeply satisfied are your ears because you want to hear it. Deeply satisfied. I don't know why this jumped out at me except for we've been doing this whole deeply satisfied living that that's, that's, that's blessed. I am blessed. I am deeply satisfied. And one reason this stuck out to me is I remember Solomon. You may remember this. Solomon makes this statement. And he says this. He says, the eye is never full of what it wants. The ear is never full of hearing. The eye is never full of seeing. And the ear is never full of hearing. Think about that. The, the eye is never, have you ever thought about your eye never fills up? It's never full of seeing. I want everybody to do this. Everybody like take a big old breath and suck all that you can into your lungs. Ready? Everybody go. Your lungs were full. When my lungs are full, they can't hold anymore. Duh. Y'all be like, you know what I learned at church? <laughs> I learned that when my lungs are full, they full. Can't get any more in there. You know, my lungs can be full of air. My hands, how many of you know, especially the mamas in the room, you can only hold so much. And then your hands are what? They're full. Your, your hands are full. I know some of you don't believe this, especially the teenage guys, but your stomach can get full. <laughs> right? Your stomach, you can 
eat enough that your stomach is what? Full. full. My hands can be full. My lungs can be full. My stomach can be full. My eyes never fill up. Never fill up. My ears, there's always something else to hear. Right? Right? But then Jesus comes along. And he's not contradicting what Solomon said. He's offering something different. Jesus comes along and he's saying, you know what? Your eyes may, may never fill up, but your eyes can be deeply satisfied. Your ears, they can be deeply satisfied. If you can grab hold of these parables, that's what Jesus was saying. This is the end of where he was telling them about the importance of parables. If you can grab hold of the truth of these parables, your eyes, they may still see, but they don't want it. They don't need it. Your ears, they may still hear stuff, but you're not drawn to it. It's kind of like this. When I am full, when my stomach is full, <laughs> I love banana pudding. But even I have been full enough that I see the banana pudding and go, wow, that looks good. But I really don't want it right now. Why? Because I'm full. I'm full. I'm deeply satisfied. Are y'all hearing me? This is big. This is awesome. I am deeply satisfied. So I may see the pretty thing out there, but I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm not going to chase it. I'm not going to pursue it because my eyes are deeply satisfied. I hear the commercial. It may look pretty, but I don't need it. I don't want it because my ears are what? Full. They're, say it with me, deeply satisfied. What would it look like? To live like that. Oh. What would it look like for us to be a people that lived life deeply satisfied, blessed, that our eyes aren't drawn to, that our ears aren't drawn to? Because here's the thing when I'm hungry, when I'm not deeply satisfied in my belly, guess what? Everything looks good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
When I am hungry and I am not deeply satisfied, I don't care if it's junk food or grass, I will eat it. Anybody know what I'm saying? I don't care. Why? Because I'm hungry. Right? So think about your life. Do we live hungry that just everything satisfies? Or are we living blessed? Deeply satisfied. That is huge. That is so huge. When I'm deeply satisfied, it can look good. But I'm like, ah, I'm all right without it. I don't need it. I just don't. And Jesus is saying, if you can grab these truths of the parables of the kingdom of God, if you can just see it, you can live deeply satisfied in this broken world and eternity. I don't know that we believe that. Because all we do is focus on how broken it is, not how blessed we can be. Blessed is deeply satisfied. It has nothing to do with how much is in the bank. We're deeply satisfied. You can have a lot in the bank and be deeply satisfied today. You can have nothing in the bank and live deeply satisfied. Isn't that cool? That's a little upside down, wouldn't you say? Are y'all with me? Are y'all still soaking on that, or can I move on? You move on? You got it? Well, I'll know by your Facebook and stuff if you got it, all right? So, <laughs> all right? Am I going to live deeply satisfied? See, just a few verses after this, in the same chapter, um, Jesus tells two very short, very quick parables about being deeply satisfied and what that could look like. All right, are y'all ready? We're going to read them together. Are you ready? All right, let's look at this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Everybody say, it's like. It's like treasure that's hidden in a field. And a man found it, and he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went... And sold some of his stuff. Oh, sold all he had and bought the field. The very next verse. Saying it again. Again, the kingdom of heaven is what? Like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Lord, help me explain this the way you've given it to me. So we could grab it for all it is and learn to live deeply satisfied. Amen? Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like. Now, in this first one, there's a guy. 
And we don't know if he was just walking across the field and stumbled onto a treasure that was partially exposed. You know, it says it was buried in there. So I tend to think the guy was actually, this is Victor. It's not in the Bible. We don't know for sure. But I think that he was actually plowing the field for somebody. Because it kind of gives the idea that he dug it up, right? And, and so, so I think he was probably plowing a field and he dug up this treasure or he found or he stumbled across this treasure. He wasn't looking for a treasure, didn't know that day he was going to find a treasure. He just stumbled across a treasure. We don't know what the treasure is, right? And it says that he saw the treasure and went, oh, wow. And he left. He buried it back down in the ground. He left, and he went and sold everything he had, took the money, and went and bought the field so that he could have the treasure. Are y'all still with me? All right. So he... In Jesus' culture, this would have made more sense than maybe even today. Because it, it was real common in that day, there wasn't a lot of banks. So it was real common for people to take their treasure, their gold, their silver, whatever it was, to take their treasure and dig a hole and bury it. That's how they kept it. There were no savings boxes and all that. There were a few banks, but not a lot of people used the banks yet. So they would they would they would bury it. So it was a lot more probable to do that today or or, or then than today. You know, y'all remember when that movie came out um, um, that had Tom, wasn't it? Yeah, American Made, right? Y'all remember that? Well if you haven't, don't it, it's okay. It was kind of a dud. But but at the time at the time, it was about Mina and the airport and everything, and I lived at the airport. Matter of fact, in that movie, the property I lived on is where he buried all of those millions of dollars, and that's how I knew the movie was a lie. <laughs> I had holes all over my yard. There ain't nothing there, y'all. Ain't nothing there. All right. <laughs> But, but this guy stumbles across this treasure. I don't even, that wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> ADD moment, sorry. Anyway, um, and so, so this, guy, this guy finds a treasure, and he buries it back, and he goes, sells all that he has, buys the field so that he can have the treasure. The next guy, we've already read it, but let's, let's look at it. The next guy, he is a merchant, and he is looking. Remember, the first guy stumbled across it, right? He wasn't looking for a treasure. He found a treasure. and went and sold everything, bought the field for the treasure. This guy is looking for a treasure. Are y'all with me? This is... It's pretty simple. He is a merchant looking for fine pearls. He's looking for fine pearls. And he finds one 
that is unlike anything he's ever seen. <laughs> it's like the mother load of pearl, right? And he went and he sold everything else that he had. Now, he was a merchant, probably had money, you know? Sold everything else he had so he could buy the one pearl. Now, in that day, pearls were not nearly as common as they are today. One is we make synthetic pearls and all kinds of stuff. But in that day, real pearls were incredibly valuable. They were actually more valuable than diamonds. And here's why. Because they didn't have all the equipment to find and dig up the oysters in the oyster beds. You know, they didn't have boats like that. They didn't have all of the stuff to drag the bottom with, like what we have today. They didn't have scuba gear. I know that's shocking. There was no scuba gear in Jesus' day, all right? They didn't have that. I read one thing that said the way they would get pearls back then is they would literally tie rocks around their body. And they would hold their breath, jump off of the boat, sink to the bottom, dig around in the mud, find as many oysters as they could before their breath ran out, and either cut the rope or try to untie the rope before they drown. And then float to the top, get in the boat, shuck the oyster to see if there was any treasure in it, see if there was a pearl, you know? And then they would do it again. <laughs> so getting pearls was like incredibly dangerous and it was very difficult. And because of that, they were incredibly valuable. They were very, very expensive, all right? So this guy, he finds the pearl. Somebody had already done the work, we assume, because he's a merchant, he's looking, he is looking to buy pearls. He finds a pearl that is like exquisite, and he says, I got to have that pearl. Got to have it. I'm going to go, and I'm going to sell everything because it's so valuable. I got to grab it. All right? That one pearl, some call it the pearl of great price, all right? That is the value of the kingdom of heaven. A man walking in a field, finds a treasure, sells all that he has to buy the field to get the treasure. That's the kingdom of God. Another man finds a pearl sells everything that he has so he can have the pearl. That's the value of the kingdom of heaven. I want you to write this down. I hope you got your notes. You get your notes, write this down. The kingdom of God is a treasure worth selling all for. I only got one amen. I'm not taking up a collection, all right? So, the kingdom of God is a treasure worth selling all for. The kingdom of, of God is a treasure worth selling all for. That's better. 
You know what you just said. The word amen, it actually means so be it. <laughs> Sucker. No, I'm just kidding. All right. You're <laughs> no, think about it. You just said, Lord, let it be. That the kingdom of God, it is a treasure worth it's priceless. The kingdom of God is priceless. The kingdom of God he's invited you into is priceless. Think about this. How do you put a price on salvation? How do I put a price on it? I know the price Jesus put on it. How do I put a price on salvation? What is the value of getting to walk and talk with the God of the universe? What's that worth? How much is forgiveness and freedom from sin worth? What's it worth? What's it worth? See, the kingdom of heaven, it's a treasure that is more valuable than anything that we can even imagine. It's a treasure that never fades, that only increases in value, and it's waiting for us to discover it. It's waiting for us to discover this treasure. It's a treasure that satisfies our deepest desires. It fulfills our, our greatest passions. It gives purpose to life. It's a treasure that has given sight to the blind. It's a treasure that has healed with just a word, right? It's a treasure that clothes the naked that gives homes to the orphans. It's a treasure that brings, we just sang about it, that brings dead things back to life. It's a treasure more valuable than anything you have in your possession right now. It is priceless. Yet, we are tempted to trade the priceless for the worthless. I didn't get any amens on that one. <laughs> we are tempted to trade the priceless for the worthless. Romans talks about it a little bit. It says, although they knew God, this is talking about us, y'all. They knew God. They knew God. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became... Oh, come on. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged. Everybody say exchanged. Traded. Everybody say traded. 
traded the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires and their hearts to sexual impurity for their degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged, everybody say exchanged. Exchange. Say traded. traded. They traded the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. They became fools and they traded the glory of God for an illusion. For an illusion. Traded or exchanged the truth for lies. The priceless for what really isn't worth much. We trade the creator for creation. We trade real love for lust. We trade the eternal for the rust. <laughs> and here's what's crazy. We do it all the time, and we think we're getting a good deal. <laughs> Come on, anybody but me? We trade it all the time, and we think we're getting a good deal. We think we're getting a good deal. Now, bear with me. Um, are y'all still here? You good? You're like, yeah, you're stepping on me. Quit it. All right, trust me. Trust me. I'm, I'm working this stuff out. I don't have it yet, but I'm working it, and it's, man, it's so good. Um, I want to read something that actually was written by C.S. Lewis, and uh, I, it, it's kind of long, but I, I may repeat pieces of it. I want you to grab hold of it. So wake up. Everybody wake up. You ready? Shake a little bit. All right. Do y'all aren't shaking. Come on, do something. All right. There you go. All right. All right. Uh, because, because it's about this and it's so good about how we trade, how we trade this. Um, let's look at it. He says, the problem is not that our pleasures are too great but too small, too narrow, too restrictive, too limited by our own finite imaginations and experiences. I want to read that again. Let it soak in what he's saying. The problem is not that our pleasures are too great, but that they're too small. Too narrow, too restrictive, too limited by our own finite imaginations and experiences. If we consider 
The unblushing promises, I love the way he says that. The unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the reward promised in the Gospels. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. So, my desires are so often limited to my imaginations and my experiences, but what the gospel is offering, the reward, the unblushing promises and reward, the staggering nature of reward promised in the gospel it would seem that our Lord not find our desires too strong, but too weak. Listen to this last part. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to play in the mud, because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offering of a holiday at the sea. And then he ends, and I want you to write that down. We are far too easily pleased. The lure of the kingdom of this world lulls us to sleep. And we're far too easily pleased. I'm just okay with it. And he's saying, but what Jesus is offering you can't even imagine. You can't even put words to it. For my eyes to be in a place where there's so deeply satisfied temptation, it's just that. It's never action. Are y'all hearing me? Y'all yes. know there's no sin in temptation. That's right, Sam, because the scripture says Jesus was tempted in every way, just like us. Every vile thing that you see on the news, Jesus was tempted with. Because if he wasn't tempted with it, he didn't take it to the cross to, to, to overcome it. Oh, come on. Man, that should, we should get excited about that because that's good. That's good. He was tempted. But to be in a place where my eyes and my ears are so deeply satisfied that the temptation comes, and I go, nope, I'm full. I'm so deeply satisfied, I don't need that. I don't want that. I'm not pursuing that because I'm, what I've got 
is staggering promises. <laughs> right? It's staggering promises. It is priceless. It is priceless. Remember we looked a few weeks ago when I, when I was preaching, we looked at the church at Laodicea. Do y'all remember what Jesus said about them? You remember Jesus said, you think you're rich, but, but really you're poor, blind, and naked. You, you think you're rich, but really you're running around with nothing on. I mean, you think you got it all together, but you're exposing yourself. I, I mean, that's... That's what, that's what he said. And then he goes on. We didn't look at this, but then he goes on. And Jesus says, buy from me gold that doesn't fade. Buy from me treasures that are really going to last. That's what he tells that, that church. And here's the fact. Write this down. Here's the fact. God doesn't want us to settle for fake treasures. He loves us too much. He doesn't want, look at somebody and say, he does not want you to settle for fake treasure. He does not want us to settle for fake treasures. He doesn't want us to settle for happy. When he has joy. How many of you know joy's bigger than happy? I say this all the time, joy is like the heart monitor, right? It's up and down and up and down. Anybody had the happiest day and the saddest day five minutes apart, right? That's happy. Happy is based on happenings, right? That's what it's based on. <laughs> joy, it's like this massive roll of the sea that just swallows up. I love that. I love that. We settle for fake happy without joy. We settle for fake friends in a fake world online instead of the real community found in the kingdom of God. We settle for pleasure over purpose. And Jesus is saying, just come to me in my kingdom. Your eyes in my kingdom, your eyes, they can be in your ears. They can be deeply satisfied. So here's a question. We're not done just yet. Almost. Do my eyes truly see the value of the right now kingdom of God? The kingdom he offers us right here, right now. Do my eyes see its value? Or are we more drawn to the fake? Trust me, I'm kicking myself here. My prayer is that God would give us eyes, that God would remove the scales, that we could see the treasure for what it is, that we could truly see it. Like these two guys, when they saw it, 
<laughs> they just sold all. That we would have such eyes for the kingdom of God that we really didn't care what it cost. Because write this down. The truth is, there is a cost for the kingdom. It's going to cost you. To live deeply satisfied, for my eyes and my ears to be deeply satisfied, to be full, it's going to cost. What did it cost these two guys? Come on, say it. Everything. Everything they had. That's what it cost them. It cost them everything. Everything. To have, the, to have the treasure, to have the pearl, everything. And he's saying the kingdom of God is like. So the kingdom of God, to truly have the kingdom of God, I got to give everything? I want you to see something you may have missed that is so, so cool. I'm going to go back. It says the kingdom of heaven is what? Like the treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then he went in his Everybody say joy. He went in his I grew up in a culture that to have the kingdom of God, you had to be sad and mad most of the time. Anybody, anybody, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of the most spiritual people I knew, I didn't want to be around. Because they just sad and mad all the time. That I'm mad because I had to give up. I used to party and now I can't party anymore. But Jesus saved my soul. <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I gave it all up. He sold it all out of joy. He sold it all, gave it all out of joy. He was ecstatic. He was ecstatic. Write this down. In his joy, he sold everything. In his joy, he sold everything. He was so excited about what he found that the joy was greater than what he was giving up. It was his joy to give up everything for the treasure. And, and I want to put it in another term. This is kind of a Victor term. Write, write this down. He recognized his everything was nothing next to God's something. <laughs> That'll preach, y'all. He recognized his everything was nothing next to God's something. 
Y'all, y'all, come on, dance with me a little. Come on. I mean, like, seriously, he recognized. I couldn't contain it during worship. You should have seen me. You should have seen me, like, while the band was, was rehearsing this morning. I was a madman. Like, just, I'm like, to recognize that all that I have is nothing next to the kingdom of God. (laughs) That out of joy, do y'all remember Paul? When he looked back on his life, he was writing in Philippians, and he, he, he was looking back on his life, and he said, if you took everything of my life, now Paul was wealthy, he had power, he had position, he had a good future, he had a good retirement, he had everything you could want in that culture, and he walked away from all of it to know Jesus. And he says this, in Philippians, he said, if you put everything I've lost in a big pile over here and you put Jesus next to it, <laughs> all that I've lost is nothing but a pile of dung. That's the word that's used in the King James English, dung. It's a pile of poop. I could use other words, but y'all got it, right? (laughs) All that he lost was a pile of waste, a pile of excrement next to, here's what he said, next to the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that. That it's nothing but it's kind of like let me let me help you guys. Some of you guys will understand this um maybe maybe a, a little bit more. Um it really is Well, Some of you may be sitting there going, you mean I got to give up something for this kingdom? If I really want to experience the kingdom of God, I've got to give up everything? That, That I have to give up this habit? That I'm going to have to give up some money? That I'm going to have to, to really experience the kingdom of God, I'm going to have to give up an addiction? I'm going to have to stop sleeping around. I'm going to have to stop the party. If I really want to be a part of the kingdom of God, I'm going to have to give up some time to invest in the community of Christ. No, you don't. You don't have to give up anything. You get to trade all of your nothing for something. (laughs) You get to trade drama 
for peace. Anybody want that? You get to trade brokenness for riches. You get to trade death for real life. It's kind of like trading this. My brother and I used to have a Pinto. Don't laugh. The beautiful exploding cars. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? They had this problem because the gas tank was behind the back wheels. Rear end, you're dead. All right. Anyway, all right. It really was. It was like the Pinto. But, but, but trading my sexual pleasures for the kingdom of God, <laughs> it's like trading this for that. That's Eleanor. Y'all know Eleanor, right? Anybody know Eleanor? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for the Mustang fans, there you go. <laughs> How many of you know that's no trade at all? <laughs> so Somebody got a bad deal. <laughs> you trade a Pinto for that. I don't care if you're a Ford fan or not. You'd drive it. I promise. I promise. It, it's kind of like, imagine this. Imagine that you are camping last week on, what was it, Wednesday? Matter of fact, I had to go to Ada, Oklahoma. I actually took a picture. It was actual temperature was 113 degrees in Ada, Oklahoma. 113 Imagine 113 degrees and you're in that. I mean, if you know, you're going to sleep good at night. <laughs> right? But then somebody comes along and sees you in that and says, no, 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 no. If you'll give me that tent, I'll give you this. Come on. Come on. I don't care what the fuel costs. It does not matter. I don't sleep when I sweat. Anybody else? Right? It doesn't even matter. Somebody gives you that, you're not going to say, yeah, but can I afford to drive it? No. You're going to hand them that nasty tent and say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, right? Right? How many of you know a $10 Walmart tent is no trade for this? Somebody got a bad deal. Right? Right? The kingdom of heaven, giving up all of my nothing, is like giving that for that. I don't know, all the guys, imagine in your mind twin big blocks and go, thank you, Jesus. I don't know why, they just sound better in a boat. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? I mean, how many of you know trading a rowboat for that? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, if you would not trade a pinto for Eleanor, and you would not trade a tent for a Prevo, and you would not trade a rowboat for that, Jesus would call you a fool. And I just read the scripture to prove it. 
he would call you a fool. Because you have at your fingertips more than you can imagine. And you go, no, I really like my pinto. I've had it a long time. Don't know if I can give it up. You'd say, you're crazy. You're crazy. Why would you not? Why would you not? And so here's my plea. This is where I'm ending. Make the trade. Make the trade. Make the trade. Allow God to show you the treasure. Open your eyes and see the pearl. Trade your nothing for his everything. And if you happen to lose something of value in the process, you know what Jesus said in Matthew 10? He said to his disciples, he said this, and he says it to us today. He said, if you lose anything for my sake, I will make sure you get a hundred times more. That makes it a no-brainer. So why would we not go all in to the kingdom of God? Why would we not go all in? There's only one reason I can imagine. And I want you to write that down. And it's because we don't see the treasure for what it is. The only reason we wouldn't trade it is we don't see it for what it really is. We've got scales on our eyes. We've got things that draw our eyes and our ears to the fake, to the temporary. And I'm preaching to me. The only reason we wouldn't trade it is we don't see it. We just don't see it for what it is. So, Lord, we come to you. And Holy Spirit, do in us. We give you permission to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. Give us eyes like David who says, just like the deer pants for the water, like I gotta have it, I gotta have the water, I gotta have some water, I gotta have some water. So my soul longs for you. Holy Spirit, do a work in us 
that we would be like Paul and say anything that I've lost that I've given up it's just a pile of dung I got a couple of questions I want you to look at and just do an evaluation what could be blurring my vision I mean the only reason I wouldn't be pursuing the kingdom of God more than all this other is something's blurred my vision and I wonder if your prayer right now would just be God show me what is blinding me from seeing the kingdom for what it is is it a job is it a relationship is it a hobby what is it? And then the, the list can go on and on. What is it that I've allowed to get too big in my eyes? I know we all got to make a living. We got to provide. I'm not saying that, but, but then we would pursue his kingdom more than our own. God, what? What is show me? I wonder if you would write where you're at. Just ask the Holy Spirit, show me anything that's clouding my vision. Right now, just ask him. He'll, he's faithful. He'll show you. Just take a moment. It's clouding my vision, and I can't experience deeply satisfied blessed and then maybe repent just say God I repent for allowing those things to get so big in my eyes Repentance is just turning it around. No longer going to pursue that more than you. Because you said seek first your kingdom and then all the other stuff works. So I repent. Maybe your prayer is this, God, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, that I can begin to live deeply satisfied.